Hey friends, you are listening to Real Talk with Rachel, and I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert. This show is a safe space with real conversations to help you live free and pursue your God-given dreams. In today's episode, we're chatting about married sex. It's a spicy episode, so if you're married or you'd like to be someday, you do not want to miss this one. Be sure to stick around till the end of the show for a short segment where I share counselor-approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. Now, before I introduce you to today's guest, I have a quick announcement about the podcast. For the month of February, we're doing a talk therapy series called Relationships Restored. You can tune in every Monday morning in February to process and pray through relationships. I'm excited to see what God does in this series, and each episode is 10 minutes or less, and it's the perfect way to start your day and your week. Also, starting in February, we're going to be releasing our new guest interviews every other Wednesday. I hope this change in schedule will help you keep up with new episodes. Today's guest, Gary Thomas, is a writer in residence at Second Baptist Church in Houston, Texas, and an adjunct faculty member teaching on spiritual formation at Western Seminary in Portland, Oregon, and Houston Theological Seminary in Houston, Texas. Yeah, he's really smart. (laughs) He's the author of 20 books, including Married Sex, When to Walk Away, Sacred Pathways, Cherish, and Sacred Marriage, which has sold over 1 million copies. He has a master's degree from Regent College, and he was awarded an honorary doctorate in divinity from Western Seminary. My friends, I think something I love the most about Gary is he's very smart. He knows the Bible inside and out, but he's still real and down to earth, which you know is a big deal to me and on this show. So please help me welcome Gary right now. Well, hello, Gary. Welcome to the show today. Thank you for having me, Rachel. I'm excited to chat with you. We have a fun topic. I, I want to call it fun because it's just fun. Um, but before we jump into that, I love to ask my guests, what is a random or fun fact about you that we wouldn't have read in your professional bio? I don't have a lot of random things. Well, it's not fun. Sleep is always a struggle for me. Uh, but fortunately, I can get by on a lot less sleep. So Nice. Um, I, I think the fun things that people laugh is that Lisa and I have been unequally yoked food-wise for most of our marriage. And so a lot of my illustrations and funny things are us trying to compromise on uh, what we're going to eat, where, and when. So let's hear an example of your how different you are in that. <laughs> well, we were late for a flight one time. Uh, is a connecting flight. And so it's those things where you can't stop. You just got to grab and get something. So Lisa's going to get something and I'm going to get something and I'm grabbing a yogurt parfait, which yeah, it's berries and yogurt. But then Lisa will say, Gary, do you realize how much sugar is in those things? And Rachel, when she says sugar, it's not like that's a good thing. It's like, I can't believe. And then I got what I call the bag of dried fruit. Lisa would call it chocolate covered raisins. I would push back and say it was dark chocolate covered raisins. So they're kind of healthy. It was one of those things where you're just trying to grab and go. And then because we had changed flights, this was just terrible. She was sitting next to this doctor and he pulled out his lunch and he had a green smoothie, a quinoa and black bean salad, and and, and then a bag of carrots for dessert. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) And here's her husband behind her having the yogurt parfait and chocolate covered raisins, but. Oh, that's we awesome. still go home together. 
Yeah, I love that. That sounds a little similar to my husband and I, but except for his his thing he'd go to is nachos and, you know, fatty foods, not oh, the sugar. <laughs> I, I could do nachos three times a week if I wasn't worried about the fat calorie content. Yeah. Yeah. One more random fun fact about my husband, not that anybody cares, but uh, he can eat all the nachos he wants and he doesn't gain weight. And so that's, you know, I, I get Good mad at him about that. I'm <laughs> like, you enjoy it while you can, mister. It's going to catch up to you one of these days. <laughs> um, okay. Let's get into what we're going to talk about. That was just fun. I, I just like the listeners to kind of hear um, that my guests you guys have normal lives too, you know, yeah, <laughs> you, you are uh, authors and speakers and you do lots of fun, cool things, but you're also normal people. Let's hear, but the, you have written 20 books. Is that right? Yes. Wow. That's a lot. And what would you say? Well, instead of me asking you that, let's go into the most recent book is Married Sex. That's your most recent, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Let's hear about the heart behind that book. I always love to hear where did the idea come from and the need for it and all of those fun things. In one sense, I was approached and asked to write it. A number of national marriage ministry leaders just came to me and said, Gary, we're just looking for a new book. They, they just felt like there were some out there that would just more present the man's perspective or the woman's perspective or had language that was getting a little bit dated. They might've been great books 30 or 40 years ago. And they said, you know, Gary, the, you know, you kind of write excessively. You're not overly academic. You're not writing as a doctor, but you, you can bring this stuff theologically. But even that, Rachel, I didn't want to write it alone. And so really had been thinking about it and praying about it. And I'd been a big fan of Deborah Falada, her earlier books, um, her role as a counselor. And the idea hit, what if I could do a book with a woman, since I'm a man, who's in a different stage of life. She and John have been married for 15 years. Lisa and I have been married for 37. I've been a pastor and writing on marriage for, you know, decades. She's a licensed counselor, so she brings a different skill set. So we could produce a book that would have a, a theological, psychological, relational, and then practical. We interviewed or pulled over a thousand couples to really help evangelical couples talk about sex in a way that husbands would feel heard and understood and wives would feel heard and understood. We wouldn't pit them against each other. We really want to see it as a couple. And, and we wrote the book, not heavy handed. You should be doing this. Or you need to be doing that. That's turned so many people off and it's hurt so many people. We've called it more a book of questions instead of answers. Mm. This works for this couple. Maybe you can consider that. Have you thought about doing that? Uh, it, it's always scary to do a collaborative book, but Rachel it turned out better than I could have hoped. I thought Deborah's chapters were brilliant. And I also really appreciated the way that she just helped me refine mine as I was writing because uh, she could kind of look at it through a wife's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I love Deborah. I've had her on the podcast as well. And I was thrilled to see that the, the two of you partnered together. I'm big fans of both of your work. And um, like you said, though, how powerful that is to heal, have a male's perspective, a female's perspective, different years of marriage. And then you just said a statement that got me real excited. It's really more a book of questions instead of answers. Because yes. that's something that's really important to me. That's probably a little bit the counselor in me, but just also practically speaking to your point. I mean, so many people, one thing doesn't always work for everybody, you know, but right. man, let's, yes. ha let's have these great questions that get us as a couple to talk and to be okay to, you know, figure this thing out together. So I just love that approach so much. I, I think, Rachel, especially 
when we're talking about sex and marriage. Like we all have our own maps. You know this as a licensed counselor, our own hurts, our own fears, our own traumas, our own desires, our own maps, our own arousal. And you've got, it's what I love about marriage, though, that two people can get to know each other so well and not expect each other to have to do this or think like this or be like this. What we stress throughout the book is that when married sex takes off, it's when you get to know your spouse as your spouse, appreciate your spouse for who they are, understand that they have a different brain, a different history, literally a different body. A woman's skin can be up to 10 times more sensitive than a man's. And, and, and so we can give signposts. Here, here's something to explore. But it was really fun to write a book of freedoms instead of thou should or shouldn't. You know, mm. this is, hey, this is a possibility. See if this works. If not, just let it go. Yeah. And I even love, you know, it took my husband and I, we've been married 16 years and I would say it probably took us close to 10 years to actually talk to each other about sex, you know, and that shouldn't be that way. We should be teaching people before they're married, you know, that in the uh, pre-marriage stuff, like let's talk about this stuff. Like, you know, that, that should be the new norm. And so I just love that we're having these conversations. Can you help me define for the listener, what is healthy sex and marriage? I mean, as you said, there, there, there are still some core just principles that you, that you guys um, have found. What would you say that that is, or how would you define it? Three things. Physically, it should be mutually pleasurable. It should never be where one person is using the other for their release or their own pleasure. It really has to be a thing where our bodies were designed for both of us to enjoy it if we're sensitive, generous, and kind. So physically, I want it to be mutually pleasurable, not painful, nobody afraid to speak up if it's not comfortable, if it's not working. Relationally, it should be affirming the relationship. I've said before, I've written another book on marriage called Cherish. I said, it's very different when you use sex to cherish your spouse rather than using your spouse to cherish sex. Mm -hmm. Then the spouse feels used, mm -hmm. not cherished. Sex is a tool where I can express my wife's desirableness, my wife's excellence, my desire to please her. It should make her feel loved by me, seen by me, heard by me. It should be a thing that builds up the relationship. And if I'm, if I'm selfish, if I'm domineering, if I'm pressuring her, if I'm manipulating her, even if it's successful physically and that there's a sexual response, it's going to do damage to the relationship. And that's not healthy. And then I would say spiritually speaking as a Christian, it needs to honor God. Hebrews said, let the marriage bed be kept pure. It should be an experience that recognizes God designed sex and God created sex. So we should even be worshiping God. God, that was incredible. Thank you for making us this way. Thank you that you designed this and you thought it up. If we're going against our conscience, then it's going to be spiritually detrimental. See for Christians, Consent between two adults isn't enough. Our culture is focused on that. And consent is essential. I'm not at all undercutting this. But for Christian, there's a second consent. Does God consent? And so I wanted to relate to mutual pleasure, relational deepening, and worship. Those three things are present. Then I think you have healthy sex. Today's episode is brought to you by the resource how to communicate effectively with your spouse or loved ones. It has six easy steps to communicate your thoughts and feelings that you can use in any tough conversation. It's a one-page document you can print and keep visible as a reminder. 
To download this resource, go to rachelgilbert.com forward slash marriage. So for the listener who just heard those three things and maybe heard one or more of them that they went, oh, yeah, no, we're not, that, that's not us. Where would you say, what, what's the most practical step to having that healthy, you know, re- redirecting? Well, find out first what, what's not working. What I loved about writing this with the licensed counsel, mm-hmm. I do the chapters on the theological perspective of sex so that people don't have guilt that they could see how God didn't just create it. He celebrates it. And really the Song of Songs is an amazing manual of sorts talking about the potential to enjoy different varieties of sexual pleasure. So if it's theological, that's where you go to those chapters. For some, it might be relational. And Deborah, as a licensed counselor, deals with that. She has a whole chapter. How do you know if it's a sex issue or a relational issue? Mm. Is, it, is there a feeling of, of shame? Is there a feeling of manipulation? Is there a lack of forgiveness? Is there anger? So you want to deal, well, if it's about a relational issue, it might need to be addressed outside of the bedroom. I, I think of two women in particular. One said to me, Gary, if my husband would just pray with me, he wouldn't be able to handle me in bed. So he'd be crying uncle long before the night is through. <laughs> and, and so what she's saying is before you touch my body, touch my soul. If we have a spiritual connection, I long for the physical one. And then on a negative, I, I had a wife say, Gary, I'd love to have this kind of relationship with my husband. But the reality is everything I do is wrong. I don't cook right. I don't drive right. I don't clean right. I don't dress right. And I know he's criticizing me in the bedroom. I just can't bear for there to be one more area of my life where I'm disappointing a man that can't be pleased. That's not a bedroom issue. That's a critical issue. He's got to get rid of the criticism. That needs to be addressed in counseling before the sexual relationship can be healed. And and then the third thing, it might just be sex is a physical sport. It is. And, and so maybe the guy needs to learn control. Maybe the wife needs to learn how her body works or how she can have an orgasm. Uh, it, it could also just be an issue of a couple's gotten bored and they don't realize how many opportunities and varieties. And that's why we quote so many couples. I, I do want to tell people, Rachel, this is a very specific book. It, it's not pornographic, but it's very specific in that we have a lot of examples Deborah was brilliant. She set up this private Facebook group where we could tell people, okay, this is what we're writing about. What have you experienced? And so people with anonymity, and even then we change their names, are able to say, hey, this really worked for us, or this has been really meaningful. It it probably wouldn't be appropriate to have those discussions in a small group. You don't want to know what your good friends are doing in the bedroom. But with that level of anonymity, we were able to finally help couples see, oh, that's a good idea, or that might help, or that might be beneficial. So it's really, is it theological? Is it relational? Is it physical? Or is it just creative? Pick one of those areas, and and we have different sections in the book that are designed to help couples address those. Yeah, thank you for that practical, just figuring out what's the problem, and then it's kind of like going to the doctor, like which of my organs is, you know, is not working correctly at this point, and then we know how to treat it. Um, Okay, so you are the one who did the theology piece, so let's look at that. What does the Bible, I want to hear for those who are listening who go, well, what does the Bible say about sex? They're not real sure. What would you, what can you tell us? Well, it just begins with the title of the one book on the Bible that focuses on sex. And as important as prayer is to the Christian life, 
there isn't a single book in the Bible devoted exclusively to prayer. As, as important as finances are and, and giving to charity, there isn't a single book in the Bible devoted exclusively to charity. There is one book in the Bible that has one central focus, and that's the Song of Songs, which celebrates the sexual relationship between a husband and a wife. Now, most modern Hebrew scholars understand it's not just one husband and wife being talked about. It's an ideal, a series of stories. It's not chronological. Solomon and one wife is mentioned there, but we shouldn't assume it's all about Solomon or his wife. But it's celebrating the relationship the husband has with the wife. And, and here's what's so powerful. The, ta- the title, Song of Songs, is an ancient Near Eastern phrase that would have great significance to people who got it 3,000 years ago. Something of something elevates what's being discussed. Your listeners, those are believers, would hear King of Kings. Mm-hmm. How many times have we called God King of Kings? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? It doesn't just mean that he's the strongest of kings or the wisest of kings. It means if you were to put all the kings of the world together, God would be king of those kings. He's different in kind. There's no king like. And so in the Old Testament, this is pre-Christ, which I think is significant. Before Christ has come, when the Old Testament is saying, what is the song of all human experiences? What is the one song that isn't just the best song, but the song unlike any other song? That song is the song of a husband's and wife's sexual relationship with each other. So before you even get into the book, it's amazing how powerful it elevates the experience. And, And if we think about what sex represents, it shouldn't surprise us. The spiritual analogies, how it teaches us to worship a God who is so in favor of pleasure. He designed bodies capable of experiencing multiple forms of sexual pleasure, how we can literally create human beings that share our DNA and they come out and they look like us. And then what it does to our brains relationally, Uh, you, you know, this as a counselor, it's just different when you're connecting sexually. And so when you see all of that, it does, it really shouldn't surprise us that the Bible describes this book as the song of songs. Now, you get into it, and since I know we're talking to um, a lot of women here, what I love is that 3,000 years ago, when it was written, it begins talking about the the pleasure a woman gets from sex. Mm. She says in verse 2 of chapter 1, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. And the word love is dod in Hebrew, D-O-D. It's not referring to romantic love. It has nothing to do with the Hallmark Channel. Everything to do with actual physical caressing and lovemaking. And when she compares it to wine, I would just ask the listeners, think of how many pleasures a woman living in the desert 3,000 years ago didn't have. She didn't have dark chocolate. It would melt. She didn't wake up to a cup of coffee, didn't have certainly not Starbucks, they didn't even have Folgers, Uh, often didn't sleep on a bed, didn't have Netflix to chill with at night. Wine was the pleasure a woman could enjoy. And so she's saying for her, it's the highest pleasure that she knows. We should tell women today, God didn't design sex just for your husband or for his pleasure, for his release, or so that he doesn't sin. The first thing God says in his book is, wives, This is for you. This can be delightful. 
This can be wonderful. It, it may not be the highest delight in many modern women's lives because they have so many pleasures to look at, but certainly it says that's how God designed it. Ooh, that's encouraging. Yeah, I think that reading through that as a, a married couple will also spark something <laughs> in your sex life to, to read that whole book there. Then why, you said something there that really struck me about that, the, you know, that they led with a woman's greatest pleasure. Where, why have the tables turned to where we see it more as being a man's greatest pleasure now? Well, I think it, it could be selfishness. Mm-hmm. It could be insensitivity. It could be a sense of entitlement. Um, historically, men tended to have a higher sex drive. They still tend to, as far as studies go, although that's changing. But I do know when you look at some studies, the gap between how often a man orgasms and how often a woman does can be frighteningly large. And so that might be the experience. And if a woman feels like she's just being used for her husband's pleasure, then it's sort of like, well, let's just get this out of the way. The old adage, lay back, think of England and and go. But, But for sex to thrive, it needs to be mutually pleasurable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, your specialty is body image. And I want women to think that when God created a woman's body, there's a part of her body, the clitoris, that literally has one function. That's to lead her to orgasm. It's the only thing there. To, when, when she's in the arms of a loving husband, uh, she will feel unlike anything that she will ever feel with that. So, God created women to experience that, not to be used, not just to be receptive to their husband, but to enjoy it themselves. And so sometimes women might feel selfish that they want to learn how to have that orgasm, or they might feel like it's, it's lustful or something that they want to experience that. And when I say to them, God designed your body, which means when you want to experience an orgasm, all you want to be is the woman God designed you to be a woman who experiences sexual climax when you're making love to your husband. That's as holy and sacred a desire as wanting to lead and teach a Bible study, wanting to be a mom, wanting to build a business. It is a holy calling. There's nothing selfish about it. There's nothing sinful about it. You just want to be the person that God created you to be. There's a reason. It's an important reason God wants women to experience pleasure like that. And and we just, Deborah and I, we just want women to receive that as a gift, not as pressure. Oh, there's another thing I can't do. Them, but and Deborah will will talk about that with a counselor's care. But really, as an invitation, mm-hmm. that if it hasn't been that way, let's talk about maybe how we can get closer to it. Yeah, I'm gra- glad that you brought up that topic of body image as well because I definitely have seen that. That if if a woman can't, you know, embrace your my own body, I'll use myself for example. If I can't embrace my own body on my own, why would I want to let my husband embrace my body? You know, there's like such a disconnect. It, it's hard to, um, not why, but it, it makes it difficult to, you know, so there's just one more barrier and one more reason I'm passionate about helping women in that area. So let's talk a little bit about common, um, you call them sexpectations yes. that Christian couples hold. Uh, what are some common ones that you guys have seen and that you tackled in, in this book? <laughs> Can I go back just a second, Rachel, to address what you just said? Sure. Uh, about body image, because I know this is important to you. We had a section in our Facebook group where I asked husbands, do you expect your wife to look like a supermodel? 
And their responses, so many other wives said, this made me cry tears of joy to hear how husbands delight in their bodies. And husbands saying, my wife doesn't like her body. I love her body. And they would describe it. This is what I love. She doesn't measure up to the stereotypical norm. I, I, I want wives to understand that when a husband is mentally faithful and he's making love to his wife, oxytocin is released in our brains. Oxytocin has been called the cuddle chemical. It creates feelings of bonding and warmth, but they've also determined it literally makes the woman you're making love to look more attractive and other women less attractive. Mm. So the beautiful way that God designed sex is for a husband to legitimately find his wife to be the most beautiful woman in the world. And it doesn't matter what the world says or what the world thinks. Sex is designed to make you more and more attractive and other women less attractive. And, and, and so I, I think it's a tremendous gift where every woman can be celebrated for her beauty. And there's that section in the book where husbands just go on and on that uh, we thought was a pretty special section for wives. All the husbands saying, I, I don't want that. I, I want my wife. I chose her and I delight in her. None of them had the same bodies, but the husband chosen for a reason and having regular relations with them just reinforced how much they appreciate their wives' beauty. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and my husband has echoed that same thing to me, no matter my size or shape or when I was pregnant or not, um, just that coming together, that's the beauty piece, you know, not, not so much what you weigh or, or any of that. So yeah, I hope that some women listening today get encouraged by that for sure, because I think we put more pressure on ourselves than our husband does for sure <laughs> in that area. Okay. So yeah, let's hear about some sex expectations. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think first is the expectation that because you love each other, sex will always be amazing. And we put on sex, but we don't put on anything else. You know, sometimes you have parties that are just great. Everything's fun. The conversation is wonderful. The food is, let's do it again. And then the next time it's just kind of a letdown. Same thing with, with, with anything you do. Some vacations are great. Some drives are great. And, and sex sometimes will be wonderful, but it's not always going to be amazing. But there are different kinds of sex. Sometimes sex is about trying to create a baby. And we've talked to a lot of couples. It can make sex feel like work. Sometimes it can just be about this fast and furious. We got 10 minutes, turn the TV up. The kids are watching television. We both just kind of need this. And we had a husband and wife say that we just would, would go for it because we both just wanted that release. Sometimes it can be long and sensuous and you can really connect. It's what I love about marriage that it, it, it accepts a lot of different kinds. It can be fun. It can be meaningful, it can be intense, it can be athletic, and that's okay. Because sex, you're not going anywhere. You're going to be with each other your entire life, so you can appreciate different kinds of sex. Um, another one is that I'll always desire my spouse sexually, uh, and there's something wrong if I don't. Well, I just mentioned how my wife and I have different eating habits. Lisa would, she might prefer to eat on a whole different schedule than I do, or go to different kinds of restaurants. One might like to eat out. One might be more of a homebody. One wants to go out with friends and, and sex isn't different. When you have two different people, you have two different sets of likes and, and dislikes. And so don't assume that something's broken in your sexual life. When you don't think something's broken in your meal life or your recreational life, it's part of marriage is learning how to appreciate and understand each other. Um, I think a third expectation that's wrong is that sex will always be easy. One of the things that Deborah and I stress is that every couple will have sexual challenges. 
It's going to happen. Life will make it happen. Body changes will make it happen. Uh, anybody that's gone through the whole process of birth and whatnot, I mean, there's just going to be times when it just comes up where you should expect that there will be sexual challenges. Even if it was off the charts, fantastic early on, it's going to change. And to expect that. So you don't freak out about it. You don't think, oh, no, we've lost our mojo. The fact is a lot of Christian sex therapists will say the golden years of sexual relating is year 20 and above, but it takes that long relationally and physically to understand each other. So you work through the problems. You don't give up because they're problems. And then another big sex expectation that we really wanted to slay, we kind of touched on it, is that sex is primarily for the man. We think that cheats both the husband and wife. A healthy husband gets more pleasure out of his wife's pleasure than his own. Uh, the fact that he can give her that gift that nobody else can give her, that he can see the pleasure he can give her, it's a wonderful thing. And, and no woman can be that altruistic, Rachel. Sex isn't a handshake. It requires a lot of levels of intimacy and giving and openness and physicality. Um, you can't just always feel like you're giving and not receiving and so that sex expectation is primarily for the man, just for his release or for he, so him not to stray, is a great way to crater what otherwise could be a very mutually pleasurable and soul-building and relationship-building sexual relationship. I love how practical all these things were. And as far as sex expectations, do you guys also encourage couples to kind of sit down and say, what are other, what are things that we have? Like, I feel like there's a lot of unspoken ones, you know, that we bring into the table that we just like never really realize. And even maybe within ourselves, we don't realize it. So is that something you guys encourage couples to do as well to be like, what are we doing here? (laughs) And Deborah as a counselor has a great section helping couples talk about sex. Yeah. Yeah, She can say, this is probably not the best time to bring it up. This is a little more helpful time. This is the context. Yeah, This is how you frame it. Because like you said, Rachel, what you said about you and your husband, I- I'm not going to say it's universal. I don't know if anything is universal. But if anything is close to 90%, it's this. It's easier to have sex than talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But <laughs> it's so essential because like one couple I can think of where the problem was the guy's hygiene. And the wife didn't want to offend him that he didn't always smell that great. And we tell guys in the book, any guys listening, your wife's sense of smell in general is much more acute than yours. So just because you smell okay to yourself doesn't mean you smell okay to your wife. Brush your teeth, take a shower. If, if your face feels like sandpaper, shave or something like that. You know. But she didn't want to tell him that. So sex was never, is often... She wasn't that in the mood for it because she didn't like how it smelled or or whatnot. And and they would go on for 20 years because she didn't want to have a difficult 20 minute conversation. Mm. And and that's where we want to say is have the conversation, have it wisely. Deborah will help you do that, but be willing to have those conversations to speak up wives and say, boy, this isn't working for me. And I I want to desire, can we try this? Or I wonder about this. or I wonder about that. Because every human brain is unique and every human body is unique, we can't guess. The only way we can know is if our spouse will tell us and talk to us. And so that's really partly what the book is designed to do. Raise those questions. It's awkward. But if you read the chapters together, guys can stop and say, is it like that for you? 
Mm. And then she could say, actually, yeah, my experience is just like hers. It's just a lot safer for a wife to say that than to bring it up herself. Okay. I actually love that idea of reading it together. And then, like you said, it opens that door for the conversation, especially if it is hard for you to have those conversations. It's like kind of just an open door to go, Hey, let's speak into each other about this. And then too, like you said, you know, I think that it brings people closer together having those conversations because it builds your trust in each other, you know, that, you know, Hey, you love me enough that instead of going on for another 20 years of not telling me something, you loved me enough to stop and, you know, do it in a loving and a kind way. Um, before we get off here and I know we don't have a ton of time left, but you guys do talk about five senses uh, of sex. Can you, can you share with us what those are real quick? And then of course they can get your book to really read deeper about those. What we're thrilled with is that the Song of Songs elevates and celebrates how all five senses create their own sense of sexual pleasure, sight, sound, taste, touch, and feel. And so just celebrating that, that by being more intentional about that, you can create entirely different kind of sexual experiences. We talk about the wife's voice. There can be laughter. There can be pleading. There can be forcefulness, there can be moaning, there can be she's just struck silent. And every one of those is an entirely different kind of sexual climate that she's creating just with their voice. We talk to men about how a woman's skin can be 10 times more sensitive than a man's. Explains often why women are more into foreplay, more into things like lotion. Those things can matter more. Guys just may not get it as much. Um, sound can be a big thing. The neurochemical research behind music and how that can open up things, importance of sight, and then even smell, smells connected to memories. And we had some couples that did some really fun things. One woman wore a particular kind of perfume on her wedding night. And so every anniversary, she dabs on some of that perfume who reminds them of the first time they ever made love together. So becoming aware of the senses and, and putting some thought into them It's what can make monogamy really fun and creative and exciting and new just to say, okay, how do we bring this sense back in there? And again, I was just so surprised how it's all in God's word. I mean, literally the words of Song of Songs elevates every one of the senses. What I love about this topic and even just being aware of the senses and then committing to buy the book, to read it together, to have the hard conversations together is this. At the end of the day, anything we invest in produces fruit. You know, I mean, if I were to plant uh, some seeds in a garden, eventually it's going to grow into some really great fruit and and trees and whatever it was I planted. And so I just love that if we invest in our marriage, you're going to see fruit, right? You know, your your sex life is going to improve. Your marriage is going to improve because that's just what happens. That's how God's word is. It does not return null or void. It does what it sets out to do. So Gary, thank you for having this conversation today. I know you just like made so many people go, I want to know more. So where can they find you and of course find this book? Yeah. The website for the book is marriedsex.us, marriedsex.us. Sometimes people don't want to type that into the search engine. So uh, my website is garythomas.com and there's information. If they can remember my name, Gary Thomas, put a .com on the end, they can do it. Uh, I also have um, two blogs. One's related to married and singles and one about how we get closer to Christ that they could read about um, there. Uh, Deborah's website is True Love Dates. Uh, and so they could go find information from Deborah there. Perfect. And those links will be in today's show notes. And I'm assuming the book is probably also on Amazon. 
right? It's on Amazon, yeah. Barnes and Noble, Christian book distributors, Perfect. Uh, anywhere you can get books. Now they can, they can get the book. Perfect. Yeah. So listeners, as we start off this new year, I just want to encourage you invest in your marriage, invest in this book, grab a copy. Gary, thank you again for taking the time to come on and just encourage. I was encouraged. Um, and so I know my listeners are going to be encouraged as well. I appreciate it. Hope you have a great day. Well, it is time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show where we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps that you can implement into your life right now. I have two very simple steps for you today. Are you ready? Number one, buy the Married Sex Book by Gary Thomas and Deborah. It's so good. Y'all know that I only bring authors on this show that I truly love their work. I'm not going to bring random people on, okay? I hope you know that about me. But I really mean if you're married and or you want to be married, this book is, it's a must. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you it's a must. Okay, so that's step one. You're buying the book, right? When you get off of listening to this, you can put it in your Amazon card or whatever you need to do to get the book. Now here's the second thing. Read and discuss it with your spouse. Uh, this has been life-changing for our marriage and our sex life the past few months. I promise you'll thank me later, but it's just a nice way to unwind at night. Get, you know, go when you go to bed together, read a chapter together and discuss it. I think, you know, Gary and I mentioned this in today's conversation. He said their heart for this book is that people would read it and have these conversations as a couple because of course, they can't always get everything correct for every single person because individuals are different. We have different needs. We have different desires. We have different, you know, all kinds of opinions. But that's been the most valuable part of this book for my husband and I. One, they include a lot of testimonials and responses, I guess is the better word, from other couples. So it's kind of just nice to hear what other couples are either going through or what has worked for them, what hasn't. So that's cool just to hear that. But then at the end of every chapter, or even as we're reading, really, we'll kind of stop and we'll go, is that true for you? And we can say yes or no, that's not true for me. Or, well, actually, this is what's true for me. And so my husband and I have had conversations. We've been married 17 years this May. We've had conversations that we've never had before, not out of fear or out of hiding anything from each other. It's just stuff you don't always think to ask each other. And so that's probably my very favorite piece of this book is just that it's really got our conversations flowing and talking about things that we just would not have even thought to bring up to each other. So that's a brief recap. Again, get the book and then read it chapter by chapter with your spouse and talk about it. It's just been such a fun thing for us to do together. Um, I want to finish out right now, though, and just pray over your sex life as a married couple. This is one of those areas. I know um, when I had Dr. Julie on the show a few months ago, I believe, she mentioned this, that, you know, the enemy attacks anything that's near to the heart of God. Well, your sex life and marriage is near to the heart of God because guess what? God's the one who created sex and he meant for it to be used within the healthy uh, boundaries and parameters of marriage. And it's our world that has skewed sex. And so if you're listening today and you're going, you know what, this is all great, but man, our sex life has just struggled from the beginning. It's a struggle now. I just want to pray over you. And I just want to believe that the Lord's going to restore 
whatever the enemy has stolen and um, just redeem it. And so right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak a life over every single person sitting under the sound of my voice that where the enemy has come in and brought division or anything else in this area of sex, you just redeem and restore it. Bring these couples closer together in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that concludes our Get Real Practical segment for today. Hey, if you loved today's episode, will you please leave a review? It helps new listeners find the show, and I just love bringing new people into this community. You guys have done such a great job of leaving these reviews lately. I very much appreciate it. I read every single one. I'm encouraged by every single one, so thank you for that. And don't forget, tune in on Monday as we start that series on Relationships Restored. Well, I pray this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.